You are listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast, the show for first-time leaders, for that moment in your career when the book stops with you. This is your window into the world of how to lead successfully. Now, over to your host, James Nagel. So, welcome to the latest episode of the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast, supporting first-time leaders through what is the most challenging transition in any career. I'm your host, James Nagel, and my guest today is Apurv Nagpal. On LinkedIn, he positions himself as an innovation guru. He's a visiting faculty at India's leading business school in Ahmedabad, and he's a best-selling author. But for me, it's on his own personal website, apurvnagpal.com, that the true Apurv shine through. He's a bit of a polymath, a movie critic who has developed a new cooking show format, an author of sexy novels who coaches people on early retirement. He's not the typical corporate or Indian profile. And if I can find a thread in his varied career, it's to challenge stereotypes. And currently he is fighting the notion that Indians can't innovate. So how is he relevant to this show? Well, he was a CEO who retired in his mid-40s to do stuff he enjoys. And for any leader, be that a first-timer or a seasoned leader, I think it's healthy to explore what comes next and to build the muscle of personal renewal. So it's my pleasure to introduce my old friend, Apurv. Hi, Apurv. Hi, James. Pleasure to be on your show. Thanks for the invitation. Um, I think early retirement is one of these things that just intrigues everybody. It became a buzzword, I think, about a decade or so back, a decade and a half back. And a lot of people think they want to, uh, but after meeting them and chatting with them for about half an hour, I can assure them that it's probably not the best move to make. And equally, there are so many misconceptions about it. So it's an interesting arena to be in. And I get calls literally every week about this on some way or the other. No, I think it's a rich topic. And I just want for the purpose of the listeners to just go all the way back when we first met. So we were neighbors back in the day when we were in corporate headquarters and we used to carpool together. It was more carpool than carpool karaoke, if I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and we used to, you know, on the drive out, like you always do, we used to, you know, solve the world's problems. But there was also there was always something a bit different about you. And I think you had that, you might not have said it explicitly, but corporate wasn't the be all and end all. You always had a, a plan to, to, get, to get out early, if I would say. But before we moved to post-corporate, let's just talk a little bit about your corporate career. What is it that you wanted to get out of corporate? I think there's a lot of learning that lies in corporate. There's a lot of discipline that comes, you know, uh, and especially now that when I teach students uh, who are about to make their first leap into corporate life, as a student, you think you're prepared for everything. You've done 20 hour days multiple times. Uh, you've woken up and stayed up nights to do a, a submission. But nothing prepares you for a for the kind of discipline that's required for a corporate career. You know, the thing that you every day you have to get up at that time and go to office and then give your best and attend meetings and look interested and perform, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, in student life, you can choose to bunk a class. You know, you can choose to skip an assignment because you take care of the credit in some other way. But in corporate life, there's nothing like that. It's it's unrelenting. And in a sense, for students, it's almost scary 
But for me, that was one of the things that I think has helped me develop a lot in terms of realizing that, yeah, it's good to be creative. It's good to have multiple interests. And thanks for the glowing introduction. But at the end of the day, you have to go to office. You have to put in the hours. You have to slog. And you have to deliver. So it gave you the discipline. And yeah, that was probably much needed. But just with, just with the audience in mind, when you finally got to be the GM or CEO, when you, when you were doing the Indian uh, media business, were you, uh, were you a sinker or a swimmer? A swimmer. And uh, again, I think it comes from an attitude. For me, yes, at that time, it is uh, where the world, the weight of the world kind of comes on your shoulders in a sense. Yes. But honestly, I behaved that way from day one in my first job in Procter & Gamble. My first assignment, I remember feeling like the CEO and I would really attack my boss if I thought my brand wasn't getting a fair deal or my team wasn't getting a fair deal, etc. I remember this meeting with an ad agency early on in my career where they were being introduced to us. And that guy later later on told us that he was clarifying with his subordinates whether Poor was the boss or is the boss the boss because of the way the tonality of the conversation was happening. So for me, it came easily. And I think leadership, in a sense, comes easily to some people innately. No doubt that some people have more of the natural stuff that makes a leader, right? And I'm really struck by the fact that you were a swimmer. Huh. Are there any moments when you were challenged you know, in, in, that, in that role? So the, the key thing you realize is, especially in one of my roles, I won't comment which one, uh, it's about who do you really trust? Who can you make your bouncing board uh, so that that person doesn't kind of use that information against you? And by nature, I'm someone who implicitly trusts people. And unfortunately, in one organization, and most of it happened in that one organization, there were about eight or 10 people who turned out to be really rotten in in their core. And uh, so... I think a lot of times you want to have a doubt and you want to say, you know what, what about that person? Do you think that person's going to make it or not make it, et cetera, et cetera. And the last thing you want is that person to go now to that other person that you were discussing and say, you know what, this is what your boss is thinking of you. And hey, that's not what was the idea. Uh, if you suspect somebody of doing something sly on the side, again, you don't want that to be out in the open before you had a chance to examine. It's speculation at one point in time. So I think this Lonely at the top thing is something which I do realize. And I think that's why what you're doing is really great because in a way, when you realize you're not alone in having that feeling, I think that by itself is very reassuring. So which is why I really like what you're doing in terms of sync, not swim, not sync. And, you know, look, part of what I do is people will give you the first answer and then when you dig a little bit deeper, they'll, you know, they'll open up. And even in your case, you've just said, look, you were dealing in a, in a no trust environment or a low trust and that's not your natural style. So, you know, how did you handle that? Uh, you learn to be very quiet. Uh, you learn to not speak up so much. You realize, especially because of the setup, the way that organization was set up, uh, that there was no escaping that, uh, you know, a, let's say a mass cleanup was just not an option, so to speak. And uh, the more I got closer towards, let's say, finding ways to get rid of some of the ringleaders, et cetera, the more the backbiting, the backstabbing, et cetera, uh, increased. So, yeah, 
uh, I think it just became a way of making people realize that, yes, you knew now what was happening. You were not the same person who walked in first year and just trusted everyone. Because actually, and touch wood, in life, uh, I have found humanity to be great. People are good. You know, I've, I've found that I've made the best of friends everywhere. And this was an aberration. And, I, and I'm glad in a sense that I got out of it early because it didn't really color my view of people. So just if I understand correctly, low trust environment, you adapted in some way to it. But do you feel you were able to resolve it? Or was it a case that you, you said, look, this is unfixable and you yeah, know, I, I've yeah. got better things to do? Yeah, yeah. You, uh, without trying to change it, if you can accept it and do something, I think that's where I realized. Uh, ideally, I would have liked to change it. Circumstances did not permit me to do so. But let, let's move on to maybe, maybe more the meat of the podcast, which is... You know, you're someone who in their mid 40s uh, decided, you know, you want to be the boss of your own time. Right. And you've you told me in our earlier conversation, you've moved to a city outside Bombay, uh, which is what a mixture of West Point and Berkeley. It's it's quite a dynamic, the dynamic atmosphere. And I think we've established already that you've no shortage of interests. Right. So, you know, how do you how do you prioritize in a way? How do you decide what you're going to do with all this freedom? I think that's uh, so. That's one of the things where each personality is going to do things differently. And my uh, take to this is, I hate routine. I had routines for about the better part of two decades, and the last thing I want right now is another routine on top of me. So I hate the idea that. And there are a lot of people who are very successful who will sit from say. 7 a.m. till 11 a.m. and write, and they have a target, and they set, say, a 2,000-word or 3,000-word target for themselves. Uh, that's not for me. Uh, I like to be very flexible. I refuse a lot of things that take up my time because my realization is my time is my most precious resource. And the more space I give myself, uh, the more I find I'm able to come up with new things and then chase them as time or circumstances permit. So take that example you mentioned of a cooking show. I've not had the time to really chase that yet. I eat, go to a TV studio and talk about it. It'll come at some point in time. But I had a blast coming up with it and then shooting the pilot and convincing people to star in it. So time well spent according to me. Now, uh, I, I just want to ask you, and because I remember in that same conversation, you talking about your reaction to the idea of it being called early retirement. And you said you have a very strong reaction against that term. What for you is early retirement about? Retirement's not a word I would use. So mm -hmm. when I returned, when I returned from Brazil, I was at the school gate, and people said, "So James, what are you doing now?" There was no way the R word was not coming in, just because maybe it's a stereotypical connotation of what retirement means. Mm -hmm. And I, I still have ambition, and I still want to produce and do stuff. And mm -hmm. and I, I just see that as not. Not, not fitting with, with with the word retirement, right? But it's definitely a different world and a different a different life than I had before, right? So I think it's maybe maybe a different debate from uh, retirement or not retirement. The more interesting debate is okay. Let's imagine you have this freedom that you've always talked about, and both of us have that. What are you going to choose to do with it? So here is where I think the genesis of the thought comes in, right? I 
swore to myself that I will retire early, uh, one year into my job, which was Procter and Gamble, which was my dream job on campus, and that job did turn out to be everything I'd hoped for it to be. Uh, I loved my time in PNG. I think the second organization that I really loved my time was Racket Ben Kieser. Uh, so I've had very fulfilling years. I I wouldn't swap those for anything. But even at that end of first year, and I usually at the end of every year, I do like to introspect and sit down and make a few notes to myself about what happened and what do I want to do next, etc. So I just remember getting this feeling. You know what? There has to be life beyond this cubicle that we are put in. I have no idea what that is, but there has to be something to do. So my connotation of retirement was never about uh, I'm going to vegetate. Uh, for me, it was always about exploring and coming up with things. And if I, in fact, ask you the question, did you ever think you'd be doing podcasts called no. Swim Not Sink? And my point no. is, you could have you could have to ask my best friends, saying Apoor will be a professor at his alma mater. And teaching innovation, and then I also teach a one of the most hated courses on campus, which has been there forever. Would he have been teaching that? They would have sworn on all that's holy to them. Not a chance. But you give yourself space, and for me, that's what the exploration was. When you get the space, what do you come up with? And in fact, that's one of the key advices that I give to people who talk to me about. I was saying. Don't crowd yourself. So, because I've seen one or two people who've done this retirement kind of a thing, but what have they done? Uh, I have a board meeting from this time to this time. I have yoga from here to here. Then I do my ten-kilometer run. Then I do the guys. Where's the space? Where's the freedom? You've exchanged one office for a home office, right? And what I found beautiful about what I've been able to do is the myriad, multiple things that you know have kind of come out. Since the time I left my office, what's interesting is things are not mapped out for you. There's a lot of uncertainty, but the magic piece for me is you have to commit to something. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm gonna. You tell people I'm gonna write a book, I'm gonna do whatever it is, but then you go and do it. You'll make some mistakes. You'll some things will work, some things won't, and you're always looking for the thing that energizes you. That's maybe the the thing that. I can stand by now because what I do now energizes me. I, and I'm more creative now than I ever was after 20 years in advertising. Um, and I finally understand marketing, right? Because <laughs> you no, know, genuinely, when you're trying to build a business, all yeah. the things, about, you know, innovation and why you need to innovate and how to keep it, all these things now make sense. When I was doing it, yeah, 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 theoretically for somebody else, it didn't. It, it really didn't didn't get in get into my head, and that's you know that that's why I had to get out of it. You know, yeah, I like that idea of don't switch one one routine for another. But that's all about people just you know trying to stay conservative and trying to just uh, not they don't want to let the light in, right? <laughs> so see, I, I'll rephrase it in another way. I think most people that you and I know are achievers. Uh, the kind of organizations we've worked in, the kind of people we've interacted with, there's no debate. I mean, if someone survives Record Ben Kieser for two years, uh, that person's got to have something, you know, some meat in them, let's put it that way. So there's no risk, according to me, of non-delivery in that sense. And you have to choose what do you do with your time. And I mean, you come up with really interesting things. So cooking show, like I said. Uh, right now, we are in the midst of a lockdown. Now, what we're doing is 
we've come up with a writing project and all four of us that's myself my wife my daughter and my son have been allocated different sections and we've all got to write a certain amount of words by a certain deadline on a certain topic and then we're going to try and make it all come together so i think there's no there's no risk for me ever of this thing of oh what will i do i think people who have that doubt uh should push it to the darkest recesses of their minds you know the deepest recesses of their minds you won't have a problem but equally you have to be able to let yourself breathe so that just like good wine you become better in terms of figuring yourself out and uh, in terms of what you bring to the table yeah to to what you've just said upur there there's a the the cliche thing about you know if you're climbing the ladder make sure you're climbing the right ladder right mm-hmm. and I, i think the mentality you've talked about these people are achievers so they will climb the ladder yeah i think the hard thing after your first career let's call it like that is what's the other ladder and in a way you've that that's not i i can i can sympathize with that that's not that easy to zero in on right but it's not even a ladder it's about figuring out what your passions are and figuring out what gives you joy because while you're do- so giving an example i used to love to write i was on the editorial board of my school school magazine my college magazine my university magazine uh, i won creative writing competitions but then heck procter and gamble kills every creative Im- impulse in you with that one pager that they force you to write and each one goes into like and redrafts etc so where's the creative impulse left and then come powerpoints and that slaughters your writing ability so for me uh, the fact that now you can really express and rediscover that joy the movie blog that i began doing in 2006 is what really helped me rediscover my love of writing because corporate life in a sense had killed it and just the same way i think there are other impulses that come out when you've kind of let it go I really enjoy being a teacher. I love interacting with students. In a in a in a sense, I learn more from them than they do from me, uh, and I attribute that to keeping my thought processes young. So use the the word joy, enjoyment, um, and you exude it, right? You talk about you know you used to used to win writing competitions. You took a you took a wrong turn for the, for thirty years, and then you rediscovered it. So that's great. When you're talking with your your let's say your clients or the people who call you up and ask for advice does the word or the need for enjoyment come high do have people even forgotten that as a factor oh totally totally uh, one of the most weird conversations i had was uh, about a uh, little more than a decade ago where a ceo of a really large company we're talking about about a billion plus company was looking at retirement and his wife calls me up and says uh, he's about a good two decades elder to me i think uh, his wife calls up and says we would like you to come home for dinner uh, it's the first time by the way they had done so uh, though we had interacted in office and social gatherings etc i arrive at their place and her thing is uh, you know what we notice you blog and you travel and you do all these things uh, you seem to have a lot of interests can you please suggest some interests for my husband because he's going to retire and he has never done anything but work so, so and this is a true conversation i'm not making up even one bit and 
how do you suggest to someone what's a hobby you get my point it has to come out of you and your discovery of yourself so to speak and it's absolutely fine if you don't have anything right now but let's not fear the fact that if you give yourself 6 months you won't find something and for me the only thing i choose to kind of pick with the analogy you gave of ladder is it's not a ladder it's just another dimension of yourself because here it's not you're not any more in a race you're no longer jockeying for designation of ceo or global head or or the corner office with the largest desk and the window view etc now it's just about you and your pursuit of you let me just let's say challenge you a little bit there it's and linkedin is a bit the curse here right so <laughs> no, i got enjoying linkedin by the way in you know in in the curse in terms of that that headline right because i'm i'm intrigued by this headline right people will from our background will have the big title right yeah and there's a point where that's gone yep and then they have to put something in there yep right so you know interesting even you you haven't put like crazy polymath you know enjoy you know you you've you've kept your thing right but a lot of people that's the hard thing so they th- when i talk about a ladder they need to have at least one thing to hold on to they can search and explore and and do things but many people need that that core thing of who they are and some people can say i'm just retired i'm enjoying life i think that's the true test so having the willingness and i've seen very few brave people who who put down there something which i go wow i'd love to be doing that <laughs> so so anyway what i'm trying to say is it's hard to get inspiration from other people because there's very few people show themselves like what you would what, what you do a bit and very few people are willing to act as role models they stick to the same tried and tested and that, that that's a bit of a shame true but for me the harder one is not linkedin actually it's that casual dinner conversation when you meet someone for the first time and that question is like a loaded question right on linkedin at least someone's right reading you you're not aware it's not interactive etc but uh, you go to a dinner and you're meeting say some of my dad's friends and they look at you and uh, what do you do and in, in especially in a place like india that's a big part of how they're going to slot you right i mean worth keeping in touch not etc etc so i think that's the part where i've realized i have to adapt my response based on who i'm speaking to so what kind of a dinner is it what kind of people am i in company with and therefore sometimes now i will lead with the safe option saying i've left corporate life uh, but here i teach at i am amdabad and i know that will get them to think oh okay this is a solid guy a respectable guy so to speak with other people it will be about the books i leave with the books because i know i can sense the vibe there is about the kind of books that i write with others it will be about travel etc so i've learned here to adapt given the audience that that makes sense so perv as as we listen to you talk about you know seek joy build a muscle of renewal all these things there's a question in, flashing in every listener's head which is yeah how do you pay for all of this so It's a complex topic. What, what's your view? I don't think this decision is anything to do with money. Uh, people I've studied with, uh, I would put myself somewhere in the median in terms of wealth. I'll be somewhere in the middle. Uh, and the people who, let's say, have ten times what I have, uh, I wouldn't recommend retirement for them, knowing who they are and what they are about. so it it's it's not about money it's about figuring out who you are and what do you want to do so giving an ex- really stupid example 
there are days when i'll be typing non stop on my laptop and i want to turn turn out the next novel or the next idea uh, i have uh, recently filed three patents on on really different topics uh, but equally there are days when i just want to sit back and have six beers by 3 o'clock while watching india play pakistan in test cricket uh, equally one of the things that used to give me uh, great joy uh, was opening the door when my kids came back from school and just that one hug when they walk in and what price that so i think it's about figuring out what do you want to do what's the kind of lifestyle you want to maintain and then working backwards tr- making sure that you make that fit to what you can realistically achieve so if you really want to retire you'll make the excel sheet work is all i'm trying to say yeah i i like that what you just said for me it's people somehow think it's either the big salary or a very scary unknown mm-hmm. and for me if you if you bet on yourself as we said all the people who are going to be listening to this are achievers they will make it work and it is such a shame to see people hang on yeah, i mean yeah. they are the most, they are the most boring people at parties let's and they'll complain and they'll complain endlessly about what they're doing and they have more money than you you can see that but yet they will still be there just for whatever the other aspect by the way of it i mean and i i want to get your thoughts too uh, again being neighbors having you know been in close proximity for that long gives probably me the right to ask you this question how is it uh, with your spouse after you left work and came to stay full time look belen was always a believer she was keen for me to leave or do whatever i wanted at any time so mm-hmm. she didn't need she didn't need all the benefits that we we got from our from our expat lifestyle her only thing was after a period maybe of about a year she saw me drift a little bit i was on the change curve trying to hang on to the past but really not want to go back and she gave me a little bit the steel which was okay now it's time to time to move on so it, it she's fr- frankly been amazing in that and she was tough when she needed to be so i think this is one aspect of retiring early that again most people don't mention i mean i by the way i wrote a linkedin article about early retirement i think 3 years ago or something like that it's one of my most viewed articles funnily enough uh, and there i talk about this aspect saying how are things between you and your spouse and be prepared for a complete upheaval and change in the dynamics between the two of you so the fact that you by virtue of retirement end up doing that according to me in the first couple of years be prepared for friction and then you have to figure out how to give each other space yeah i think uh, i think that is a real nugget and in a way linking back to what i've tried to do in the podcast is raise these topics which will be a challenge and i think that is one that very few people talk about so uh, no excellent if you're looking back to somebody starting off you back in in png days mm-hmm. what advice do you give realize that you change over time and don't have this fixed idea of yourself that i am this because that is going to change uh, over time and you have to be mindful and physical changes is is one thing uh, you have to kind of be ahead of that curve but even mentally and who you are and your personality i would in fact credit uh, racket ben keezer and uh, two of my bosses i think you know both of them uh, paul carafotis and patrick van remutel 
uh, along with Elio uh, to an extent for helping me discover who I am in a very indirect way. Nobody came to me and said, you are this. But just little things they said at different points in time made me feel, oh, yeah, this is something I was missing about me. And it kind of helped me complete that puzzle. And that was well over a decade into my corporate life. So I think that discovery is constant and people don't seem to introspect enough to get those answers. I mean, they don't even ask the question, so how will they get the answers? Yeah. And, and, and you mentioned that you had the habit every year of doing a, an introspection, just a review of the year, scribble a few notes. That's, so you, you had that and you, developed, you, you maintained that muscle through time. Oh, totally. What about for people who might be listening to us today who have let that muscle go a bit and who are a <laughs> bit stuck, stuck, stuck where they are? But genuinely, what, what's, what's your advice for someone like that? Don't postpone, from a different place. So don't postpone anything. Um, I never, so I always wanted to retire early, but that didn't mean that I was saving. So I said, no, you know what? I will not go to Barbados now. I will do this after I retire. Let me save the money and get to my objective sooner, etc. I was never that kind of a guy. Don't postpone anything. If you want to write, there's, you can start with a blog. And, you know, you can do a blog on a weekend and that will build up. And it, in my case, it led to great things for me. Uh, in your case, it may lead to something. It may not. But heck, at the end of the day, it would have given you joy as you wrote. Well, look, I, I love that as an impassioned speech at the end. So, Aperv, a real pleasure. Uh, thanks a lot for joining me on the podcast. Thanks so much, Jim. You've been listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast. Subscribe at swimnotsync.com forward slash podcast.